Hello everyone, good morning once again. So I come to you all the way from the throne room of God to present to you this morning's kingdom message. I hope we are all doing well. I pray that the word of God will speed ahead and that it will be added wherever it goes in Jesus' name. So yesterday we concluded by saying that um, every king is supposed to have financial resources to one, serve God, that is the first thing, two, to meet the needs of the poor or the people God has set him king over. And then three, that is the last one, to meet his own needs. So it comes in that order. Um, Solomon exemplified this so well. He built God's temple to God's satisfaction to the extent that God appreciated it by responding with fire. The question is, does God appreciate your offerings to him? Does he appreciate your sacrifices to him? Is it because he determined it from you or you determined yourself what is good for him? Are you serving from a genuine heart? Number two says that he helped his people. So number two, that says that um, to meet the needs of the people, we realize that Solomon um, helped his people so much that during his reign, silver and gold were as common in Jerusalem as stones. This scripture so marvels me, as according to Second um, Chronicles chapter one verse fifteen. So, as a king, can your subjects say the same thing about you? Do your are your subjects so satisfied with? Are they content? But you see, most kings these days have missed it. It's about just them and their families. Well, that's that's a subject for another day. Then the third, the third is that after a king has taken care of these then he can now concentrate on himself so the last thing for a king to do is to concentrate on himself and um, i'd want to digress briefly by studying critically john graham lake's consecration statement as a true child of god so john g lake was one of history's men of prayer and commitment it is recorded that in his healing rooms in spokane washington hundred thousand healings were recorded in five years so one Dr. Ruth Lage of Washington, D.C. called Spokane the healthiest city in the world as a result of Lake's healing rooms. So considering this high quality of life, he evidenced, he evidenced um, his consecration to God at the close of his book, Adventures in God. Out of eight principles, I focused on the first, primarily because the Holy Spirit taught me in plain words the exact content of principle one, while engaging him on my way home one day, not long after the lockdown last year. I remember the exact words he cautioned me with, were that I was merely to, in quotes, hold in trust. I'll never forget these words. All wealth given me here on earth. I promise, I never ever knew this before. Because all I hear people say is, my money, I mean, it's my money. I can do whatever I want with my own money. I got it through my own means. So when I heard that message, like hold in trust, I was very surprised. And he taught me never to say that. I became so solemn in the car that day that I didn't even realize when I got to my destination. Let's consider this, that um, G-Lake said. He said uh, um, in, in his consecration statement as a Christian, he said, I this day consecrate my entire life to glorify my heavenly father by my obedience to the principles of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
all my effort from now on will be directed in an effort to demonstrate the righteousness of God in whatsoever I may be engaged in. Principle 1. All the things earthly that I possess shall not be considered my own, but belonging to my Heavenly Father, and shall be held in trust by me to be used and directed by the wisdom of the Spirit of God, as the law of love of men as Christ loved them may dictate. If at any time in my life I should be engaged in any earthly business and should employ men to aid me in conducting it, I shall reward them justly and equally, comparing their own energy expended with my own after adding a sufficient amount to my own to cover all risk that may be involved in the operation of my business. I shall consider my employees my equals with rights to the blessings of nature and life equal to my own. I shall not strive to elevate myself to a position of comfort above the rest of my employees and shall direct all my efforts to bring all mankind to an equal plane where all enjoy the comforts of life and fellowship together. So this is what brought my attention to this because he actually said the exact words that the Holy Spirit told him. And this was, this, this is in the early 90s. But I heard this during the, the like, not long after the lockdown. So when one spirit speaks, he speaks the truth. And one truth is to all. That was why I was, I was so taken aback when I saw these words. I said that, okay, so let me just share this with, with everyone. So let me just move on to today's message. Um, um, so... Every king needs to get Amalek subdued for his kingdom to be established. This battle is for God. He fights himself. Therefore, I urge you all to engage his spirit. The Amalek spirit is against kings because he wasn't chosen. It's a battle of thrones and is not won by impartation or pray for me. It's won from within. The river from you has to divide and move first in this direction. There's a war against kings and against thrones. It takes constant fellowship to establish a throne. It takes a David to establish a throne. The spirit of the Amalek says, Since I wasn't chosen, I will deprive you also from having rest. So whatever I will do to disconnect your fellowship with God, I will try it. But Mordecai said, I will not bow to you, Haman. I will not serve anyone but God. I will not give my worship to anyone and you will not stop me from fellowshipping with my God. You can't stop me. I will maintain my fellowship with him because that's the only way I can maintain my kinship. And he surely did. His human will come and threaten you to divert your fellowship and concerning your throne. But you don't have to give into that adultery. God says in, in Genesis chapter 17 that he will be at war with them from generation to generation because there always seems to be a surviving remnant some way, somehow. But in Revelation chapter 20 verse 19, when the spirit has gathered his army to fight the victorious kings, as they go up and surround God's people, fire from heaven comes down on the attacking army and consumes them. And that spirit will be, will live no more. We shan't see him again. So, I was thinking and I've been thinking a lot about that friend of mine who God raised and blessed so much and he lost his fellowship time with him. I've been thinking like what could a perfect God do to a man for man's love to win like that for something in quotes bigger and better 
to draw man away from his marriage to this loving God. I've been thinking, what can take my fellowship time or who can take my fellowship time? I've been thinking a lot about this God who said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that he cannot deny himself even if we stop believing in him. He says that he will abide forever faithful. I've been thinking, eh? David was a king of a whole nation, yet he still made time for fellowship with God. We are not kings of up to 200 people yet. Still, we can't make time for God. Some of us are only kings of our family, say four or five, and probably a handful of people in the office. Yet there's no time accorded God, while others have no subjects at all. Hmm. So um, I've been thinking about what could make a man who was so close to God that he spoke from death. But the last time when I, I weighed his words, some of his judgments, I don't know, I just kept quiet in sadness and I walked away quietly. I mean, how could a man who was so in love with God spend so much time with God? Then, you see, during those times, some of us were jealous of what he had with God, yearning to do the same. Now that we have come so that we can all share his word, he's not there. It saddens my heart because I don't want to look at the future. What he did about 10 years ago brought him here. He needs to maintain that to stay at the top. Because what he does today will also dictate his course in the coming 10 years. You see, what David did in the wilderness was what made him king over Judah. His constant fellowship with God made him king over the whole land of Israel. With, with, with rest and splendid fin financial resources to be carried to the next generation. Because Genesis chapter 2 verse 12 says that the gold of that land is good. Meaning there is bad gold at certain locations. The evidence of David's good gold will be seen in Solomon's works. What Saul did as a youth made him king over Israel. But when he stopped respecting the anointing and the anointed, his kingdom was taken away from him. I've been thinking, because you see, it provokes some discomfort and unawareness in me. What can I do about it? If a man can be unfaithful to the perfect and loving God, then which woman can make a man remain faithful the rest of their lives? And vice versa, I mean. So it means that at a point, love too can win. No, but love is God. And if God is, and if love is God, then love is supernatural then. It's a spirit. So it means that it takes the born again with the spirit of God to love and walk in love despite the kind of partner. It takes the God of love to love. So then what happens outside there on the earth is not love. Because it, it, love has to be contracted in the garden. Because it takes love to obey someone. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will not want to have your way, but keep fellowship with me. I mean, how can a woman single-handedly decide to take obey out of her marriage vows? The late Princess Diana of Wales was the first to do this. And the current Duchess of Cambridge followed suit. And we call that marriage. We think it is, it is love. 
It is not. Oh. It's, it's a contract between friends to produce after their kind. Only a true spirit-filled man can love. Only a true spirit-filled man can marry. Because he is that spirit who instituted marriage. Satan can't redefine it. The queen can't redefine it because they did not create or define its terms in the first place. Okay, so I'll end here on the topic of river passion. God willing, tomorrow, we move on to river Gihon. I pray the Father for an unquenchable hunger for you. Father, please cause our roots to grow deeper and firmer and stronger in you day to day. Always destined after you to water us. Establish us in you that we will never leave you. Ever depending, ever needing, ever hungry, ever thirsty for you alone. In Jesus' name I pray.